We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. And myself and fellow bullpen bros, Alan, Dave Jr., Yorkshire Dave and Hamish are all celebrating this week because thanks to you we've smashed our listeners record. Our total for the month of April, which obviously hasn't finished yet, has already surpassed our record month, which was last September. So thank you all for listening, follow and subscribe on all your favourite podcast platforms and keep an eye out for the Highland Bullpen on social media. Alan's joining me in the co-host here tonight. Alan, those are those are great numbers. Delighted to see the numbers and uh, delighted to hear people listening and hopefully enjoying the format. We've been going through the last few weeks, so a weekly update, Major League Baseball. I think it's great for us. We're learning all the time. We're getting into it. We're understanding more and more, equating it to our own sports experience. And we're smashing it a wee bit in the Fantasy Baseball League. Uh, not only a learning experience, but great to see our Tigers, Mariners, Red Sox and White Sox team doing that. And we'll give you more of that during the show. Also during the show, we'll give you Hamish's highlights for the week. As the bullpen bros will tell you what they have see as their personal highlights. We'll talk about our heroes and villains, and we'll also have our AAA learning zone as well. So stay tuned, listen, and enjoy that, folks. Terrific. Thanks, Al. So let's bring in our fellow bullpen bros, Yorkshire Dave and Dave Jr., are uh, to join us this evening for what's going to be a, a really cracking episode tonight. We've got lots of great stuff to discuss. So, Yorkshire Dave, we were just making the point that we have managed to set our own MLB record uh, this month of April we've had a record number of downloads and listens uh, so we were just saying thank you to, to all of our listeners Yorkshire Dave and I'm sure you'd agree with that quite right, very sensible people out there yeah. impeccable taste obviously impeccable yeah. taste and whether you're in Bermuda, India uh, or Seattle or Salcoats in Scotland. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're, we're really thrilled to see the, the kind of the breadth yeah, of the listenership. My brother out there in Bermuda. Well, he's definitely worth worth a shout out. Then he's a loyal listener. Good to see that family loyalty counts for something. <laughs> and now it's time for Hamish's highlights, where each of the bullpen bros picks out their favourite moments of the past week in MLB. And starting off this week. As Alan, Alan, what's what's floated your boat in the world of baseball this week? I think it's a bit unfair asking me as a Tigers fan to come up with a highlight of the week. Um, we've won, well, in fairness, we have won a game in the last week. So on on the odds that you win fifty percent of your games, we're probably a little bit behind the the curve there. But we won a game, so my highlight of the week has to be uh, a win against the Pirates. Spencer Turnbull pitching. Um, we'll ignore the fact it was a seven innings game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'd have comfortably wrapped up with our relievers and closers at the end of the, the seven innings game as well. But 
swept by the Royals, swept by the Athletics, beaten by the Pirates, but we won a game. Well done, Spencer. Fair news. That seems like a good selection, Alan. I appreciate that maybe we aren't a wealth of, of options to choose from given the Tigers these current current struggles. But no form form changes and I'm sure our Detroit fans will hopefully be celebrating soon. Skelts, your your White Sox have ha- had a better start to the season than Alan's Tigers. In terms of the White Sox or the wider world of baseball, what's been your favourite moments of the past week? The three things that I'd noticed this week. Uh, two of them were pitching related. Um, on the back of his great no-hitter last week, Carlos Rodon uh, came back in against the same team, against the same opposing pitcher, um, and had five excellent innings, which, which for him, uh, after a particularly ropey first inning, uh, he was he'd done really quite well, uh, and that was, that was really good to see. The other pitching aspect was Michael Kopech. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, he had to sit out last season. He had a whole lot of mental health issues. I think he's one of these guys that, that suffered from being an early draft pick and he's, he struggled to kind of live up to his reputation. He was always seen as a starting pitcher, but the White Sox placed him in a more of a relieving role this year from the bullpen. He, but with an injury to, to Lance Lynn, who we've spoken about before, he has stepped into the shoes uh, and delivered... A couple of really good appearances, and this week, uh, getting 10 strikeouts uh, against Texas, um, who themselves are a pretty good team, but we managed to sweep 3-0. But my, my little really happy moment was my wee guy, Nicky Madrigal, number one number one in my book, number one in the back of his shirt. He's still he's yet to hit a home run for the White Sox two seasons in, but he hit off a walk-off single. And it was just great scenes. It was really, really good. We'd managed to work our way. I think it was Luis Robert had managed to work his way to third base. Uh, and Nicky knocked out a single uh, to send him home. That makes a lot of sense, Dave Jr., particularly since that hit made all the difference in that 2-1 victory. Yorkshire, Dave, your Boston Red Sox have enjoyed probably a better start to the season than you'd anticipated. From your point of view, what have been the kind of key moments, the standout moments, either for the Red Sox or in the wider world of baseball? Well, I've got a couple of things um, here which are connected on the same subject. And the first one doesn't involve the Red Sox at all. And the second one is actually uh, (laughs) highlighting a defeat at the hands of your Mariners. What it is, it just shows you how amazing the game of baseball is. And I'm, I'm sort of calling this uh, how to win a game without hitting part one and part two. And uh, the first one was on a Wednesday night and it was Minnesota Twins at the uh, Oakland Athletics. It's quite complicated, so I'm going to have to kind of read from my notes. But the A's were down 10-12. And it went into extra innings, so we're in the bottom of 10. So there obviously had been a lot of hits. They're at home, they're batting last, and they're two runs down. There's um, They've got two men out. The runner on second base rule still applies, so they have a ready-made man on second, but they haven't added to him. The two out, and the count is three to two, so they're one strike away from losing the game. Alex Colome, the Twins' closer, then walks the next batter. So Oakland has now has runners on first and second. And then he not only does that, he goes and walks the next batter too. 
the marvellously named um, Elvis Andrus. So the bases are now loaded. Then Mark Kana comes in for the A's and he, he grounds what looks like a routine ball to second base. But the uh, I'll use the commentator's uh, comment here. The Twins infielder boots it. Can't make the play. Everyone is safe and a run is scored. And it's an error to um, the second baseman, I think. Then uh, Ramon Loriano is up next. He grounds the ball to third, who makes an errant throw to first. Um, it wasn't just errant. I think it was described as airmail by the commentators, and it completely flew over the head of first base, and it allowed two runs to score, and the A's win. So the A's did not make one hit in the 10th inning, yet managed to score three runs for a, a dramatic comeback walk-off win. There was two walks and two errors, so in the scorebook it would be so BB, BB, an E4, and an E5. That's that's what baseball can do to you. Amazing. Well, that's a great example, Yorkshire Dave. And as you say, it's the it seems like there's just uncountable kind of variations in baseball that can to get you the runs. There seem to be so many different ways, and that's a a fairly un, well, if not unique, certainly feels like a fairly rare. Example there, so so that's a great spot. And yeah. anything else this week for you, Yorkshire? Well, the second one was uh, sort of winning a game without hitting part two was uh, your own Mariners the following night. I'll not go into detail on this one, but the, I think uh, the the Boston starter Nick Pivetta actually was going was on a no hitter through the sixth inning. I think the, the Boston had taken a two run lead. Then, um, yeah, Boston, uh, Seattle came back to 2-2. But the final score, they hit four runs in the 10th. But if you look at the final score, not exactly the box score, but the, the runs scored were 7-3 to three in favour of Seattle. And Seattle got those seven hits, uh, seven runs from only three hits. Um, Boston, their three runs from eight hits, one error. Have it on good authority, it's just the eighth time since 1901 that a team has scored at least seven runs on three or fewer hits. I think they, they got the lead in, in the tenth, of possibly off an error, and then someone hit a three-run homer for in big-time big insurance. I think the commentator said he, he blew the doors off Fenway, and that was the game... Uh, Seattle closed it out and took the opener uh, 7-3. And uh, this is one, I know we've had a couple so far, but this was a, a bit of bullpen, bro, in, in, our, in our bullpen warfare with the Red Sox and the Mariners. Uh, Yorkshire, Dave, I know I was pretty happy to come out of that series 2-2. From a Red Sox point of view, were you happy enough to come out of that series 2-2? Actually, I was in the end because um, I watched most of the most of the games, but they were down 2-1, so I thought it was really important for Boston that they did uh, get the split and come back. You know, if they'd have, they've gone down in that 1-3-1, then you wonder if that would have, uh, you know, affected them somewhat. But I think a 2-2 uh, split was fair, and uh, you've got to admire the Mariners. I think last week was talking about Red Sox having a good team spirit, but 
the Mariners, they're the comeback kids, aren't they? They've done it four or five times this season in, you know, dramatic style. And yeah, I like them. Yeah, long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're right, Yorkshire Dave. I think there's almost a kind of a fearlessness or, or like a, just maybe it's partly a fairly young uh, team as well. But yeah, the number of close games they've won, they're, they're kind of getting the most out of everything. You talked there about seven runs off of off of three hits and that kind of comes on neatly to my kind of highlight of the week, which has been, the, to be honest, the continued success of the Mariners pitching, particularly the bullpen. Because so often those close games have been either the bullpen being called upon with a, a narrow lead to defend, where the, the stakes are high, the pressure's intense, and they've got the job done, and, and seen it got those last outs and, and got the job done, or the, you know that they're they're allowing um, Mariners have been hitting pretty well, but there's confidence I think within the Mariners group that even if they're not getting too many runs. That, that bullpen's strong. They, they won't be throwing away too many runs either. So actually, those guys and they are well vest. Montero, Casey Sadler, those guys are, are, are doing sterling work, to be honest with you. And I think a key part of the Mariners' early season success. And let's see if we get this one. What was the only series that the Mariners lost in the first month of the MLB season? Can anybody here <laughs> among the bros let me know who that was? Dave Jr. seems particularly, looking particularly pleased with himself. Ah, I think that'll be the White Sox. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good early doors kind of three-game series. I think we heavily won in two games, and then um, you guys pegged us back in that third. But again, even at that point, I think it was quite clear the Mariners are a good, exciting team. And I, I'm pretty sure, I, I can't remember which guest we had on, but someone at one point, one of the four Americans we were on, Definitely said the Mariners had a really good, interesting, upcoming young team. Well remembered, Dave Jr. And I think that was Southside Zoe from the excellent Pinwheels and Ivy Chicago baseball podcast that called out the Mariners as one to watch. And yeah, we're doing great at the moment and winning a lot of the close games. Although we have had a tough series against the Houston Astros and it'll be interesting to see if the Mariners can bounce back from that. Obviously, the AL West's a competitive division and the Mariners have got a kind of key series coming up against the LA Angels in the week ahead, which will probably tell us a lot about who's going to be, you know, challenging at the top of the AL West. But no, there's a lot to like about their, their pitching at the moment. Hello there, I'm the other Dave. And in the rare occasions that the podcast just cannot hold the two of us, you may hear the guys refer to me as Cap. I'm a bit of a geek. I absolutely love anything, really, that you can come across a fandom. Uh, I'll be there with bells on. But I've got, you know, I was born and bred in Scotland, and I've got really strong club and country affiliations, and I've followed both across the globe. Uh, and whilst doing so, I've came across other teams that I've, I've really took a liking to, uh, across various countries like so Union Berlin, Hamburg, Utrecht, Dordrecht, Villotoy, Sabdoria. Uh, but the, the next time that it, it really moved up a level was in the MLB and coming across the Chicago White Sox, who I follow absolutely everything to do with now on a daily basis, and it's, they've become a huge part of my life. So I love a blether, I love a chat, so please do get in touch. I'd love to hear from you, but if not, uh, I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast.
I was just going to ask, we, you talked about the AL West, obviously the Red Sox are in the AL East and the White Sox and Tigers in the AL Central, but Dave Jr., do you have an update on the American League Highland bullpen division? So, yeah, it's really quite interesting. Um, the White Sox are kind of leading the way a little bit. The Red Sox are 4-4 four for four, um, after those two Desmond series, 2-2, two, two, uh, and the Mariners are 3-4, for four, so a little bit further behind. Uh, and again, on the run differential as well, the Mariners are quite a bit behind, which which may be surprising. Uh, what is good to, to look ahead to the rest of the season, the White Sox will play our, you, know, you guys 32 times. The Tigers will play 31. Again, those, those two numbers are very similar, given that Alan's Tigers and, and my White Sox are in the same division. Uh, the Red Sox will face off against the other three teams 20 times and the Mariners 19. Thanks for that, Dave Jr. And that definitely adds another level of interest here in the Highland bullpen. And of course, we'll just be looking at straight wins and losses. Alan? Yeah, for the football fans, there's no such thing as goal difference or run difference in baseball. It's it's all about the, the win or the loss. And there's no draws either. And I guess, Alan, as well, maybe that is a good thing for the entertainment factor. So teams will go all out. There's no penalty to, to, to where you lose by yes. however, however many. So you, you just keep going for it. Uh, and someone who kept going for it, I think, and deservedly wins his place among the heroes and villains of this week in Major League Baseball was Kent Emmanuel, the the pitcher for the Astros, the Houston, the Houston Astros who find himself found himself making his MLB debut in very unusual circumstances. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but basically what happened was they were playing against the Angels. A couple of pitches into it, the starting pitcher, Jake Odorizzi, obviously felt something going in his arm for something wasn't quite right. So Kent Emanuel, never played in Major League before, uh, found himself being called upon to throw eight and two-thirds innings in relief. Now, that obviously is about as long a relief stint as you can possibly get. Yeah. Uh, and, and he became the first person since before I was born, since 1974, when John Montefusco pitched eight-plus innings in relief uh, to, to do that on the MLB debut. So, a pretty remarkable feat. I don't know if you guys had seen that. Uh, Yorkshire Dave, had you seen that story? Actually, it passed me by, so when uh, you flagged it up, I had a, a look at it, and um, it was pretty amazing. So uh, he's, um, he's been around, hasn't he? Although it was his debut, I think he has been around. And I listened to, quite like uh, this an Astros podcast that I listened to, and they were obviously talking about this. And... Um, they mentioned something that I didn't know about, that he'd received something like an 80-day ban or 60-day ban previously. And I don't want to sort of give any negativity around it, but I think it, the, it was tested and some weird substance was found on him. So, you know, he's had a lot to contend with and to come out of the bullpen like that, totally. You've got to be ready to go, haven't you? But, you know, you, you can't be expecting to go... That early, and then uh, you know he took it, took it all away. So then it was a big win, wasn't it, for the Astros? Sixteen two, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, could have allowed a few runs and then got away with it. But. What is the name of the Astros podcast you listen to, Dave? 
guy's name is Rob Fontenot, and his partner in crime is Michelle. And uh, they sort of take it in turns to do it, and sometimes they're together. And they do it very regularly, but I think they're quite... Um, I think it's just called Astros uh, Baseball. But yeah, I, I would say it's worth listening to, and it gets you a little bit of cool. a different scan on on things and different teams to talk about, to listen to. And uh, they have some good guests on the show. In fact, they had a... They had the, who's that player that they've got? He's actually from Seattle, and they were recently there, and he was getting booed by... Or, or, well, he's from Washington State, but he was getting the bird from... And all his family were there. But he was he sort of just laughed it off, you know, as uh, something that was pretty cool. So, yeah, I would say it's worth listening to. Excellent. Well, we're, we're always happy to reach out to our fellow podcasters as well. So maybe see if we can maybe possibly get one of them to join us in the bullpen at some point. We can hear what's happening uh, in the great state of Texas. Now, one of the other heroes of the week, I think, was Cole Calhoun of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who uh, managed to keep his cool and, and his uh, temper in uh, somewhat trying circumstances. So basically, fly ball, I think it was going foul, and... Cole Calhoun was just about to grab it for the out when some cheeky young scamp, some child probably looked about, I don't know, maybe between 12, 12-ish, 13, 14, something like that, snared it very skillfully, it must be said, but obviously denied Cole and his Diamondbacks the out. So it was just to see if you guys had seen that and, and what do we make of that? I mean, to me, it's a, a cherished piece of baseball, kids getting a chance to try and catch a ball. But uh, obviously it cost Cole an out. So apparently what he said to the kid was, great catch, just let me get the next one. Which I think is a fairly nice way to, to deal with it. But Alan, what did you make of that incident? Yeah, I, th- I think we've seen adults do similar and be vilified in the past. And I think the, the the fielder here handled that impeccably well. I know it's a professional sport, but as a young lad, I believe it might even have been his first game. Uh, and he catches the ball, uh, and it comes to him. And he's sitting there with a glove. We, we can have a discussion about why people take gloves to the game, and I know there's a reason to do it. But um, I just wouldn't do that on the basis. That I'd just make a, I'd make an arse of myself. I think would be the technical phrase if I did try to catch it. So I'm easier to admit defeat before I even get there. But no, it was a good, it was a nice human interaction in the world of sport, and sport is about fans out there enjoying it and watching the best players and the best people doing it. So, fair play to both of them. Yeah, excellent. And Dave Jr., you, you're a young lad, probably isn't a million miles away in age from the, the the kid that caught that ball. So, what was your take on it? Yeah, it's it's, it's very hard <laughs> to, to feel any sort of anger because as a parent, if, you, if you're in that moment and see the elation of a child catching that baseball, let you know, not even a child, but I think if any of us were there, maybe not Alan after his little moon there, but um, I think it would be a fantastic occasion to, to catch something like that. I'd actually I'd watched a documentary recently and it was around that exact occurrence and a guy that was absolutely hounded out of his house. I've completely forgotten the teams involved and uh, the gentleman, but it was a real serious, serious piece of business going on there and he was absolutely under out of his job out of his home 
and all of his friends. It was it was quite quite traumatic. And what did you make of it, Yorkshire, Dave? You know, I'm not sure whether the uh, the outfielder could, could quite have made it. He might have done if it had dived actually dived into the seats. I'm not sure whether he, you know if he do that if you actually leave the field of play and make the catch. If it's still a catch, that's the one thing I'm not sure of. But the guy said, the commentator said that the kid was well within his rights to catch the ball in the stands, but you're not allowed to, uh, well, it would be fan interference if he reached over out with the stand onto the the field of play. So, uh, yeah, the kid knew his stuff. He got it right. You mentioned fan interference there. Yorkshire Dave as well is a resident rules expert. What does fan interference mean in terms of, is it one of these things like where if, a, if the ball bounces and then goes over the top of the fence, it's, it's a double or whatever? What's the what's the rule? I, well, you, you've got you've caught me on the hop a bit there um, to use that expression <laughs> for a fifteen hopper. Does it does the ball go dead? You know the 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 fan actually takes the ball away from. Yeah, I'm not not sure. I need to need to double check that and then to look at my 1993 rule book. But I think it depends on uh, the circumstances where it is in the field of play. But yeah, they're not supposed to lean over and take the ball in any circumstance, but especially if uh, one of their home outfielders is about to make a really important out and the catch. No, absolutely. I mean, that game, the, the game we're referring to there, I think the, the Diamondbacks ended up losing by one run. I'm sure it was 5-4 to the Atlanta Braves, the final result. So the game couldn't have been any closer. I don't know offhand what the game position was right at that moment in time. I hope very much that couldn't have had any kind of impact on it. But yeah, one thing I, I wanted, wanted to ask Alan, uh, as a golfer, Alan, obviously the... You had to be talked the other day, actually, you and I, about holes in one and how real they were, but someone like yourself who plays a good standard of golf and has done for many years might feel they're due one at some point in time. Let's say, Yorkshire Dave, you were a regular at Fenway Park. You went along with your glove every day just hoping you would get the chance to catch one. I wonder what the odds are of catching a Major League Baseball if you go regularly compared to the odds of a good golfer getting a hole in one if they play four times a week, what would your guess be? I'm sure I've seen a, a guy who's uh, on Twitter and he makes a thing about going to games, that's sort of pre-COVID and lockdown, going to games and catching fly balls. And so he works out where the most likely place is to stand and where home runs are hit. I think he goes in batting practice as well which you can do, and I think you're at liberty to... In fact, Lorraine and I did this, I think, in Milwaukee, in the old the county stadium. And we were... And it was... The reason we went early was because Mark McGuire was uh, playing for the, the Cards. You know, and, uh, you know, it was a well-known thing to go and watch him practising. So he was hitting the ball out to the breaches where we were, I was taking a few photographs and there weren't many coming into the stands and Lorraine told me she actually got one. She didn't actually make a clean catch, but she picked it up and there was a guy with his wee son there. And while I was taking some photographs of messing around, Lorraine very nicely and uh, gave the wee boy the ball because I think that was the only one that came 
go away. So it was a nice thing. No, absolutely. Alan? First time I went to a Tigers game with Marianne, she explained to me, although I did realise, she said if you do catch a ball, you need to find a kid and give it away to them. And I'm, my reaction was, there's no way I'm catching a ball. I, I, I don't, I've, I'm a grown man. I've not come with a glove. Uh, apologies to grown men that do do it. Um, and B, I'm not uh, coordinated enough to do that either. But the, the hole-in-one thing's interesting because they reckon the odds of a hole-in-one are about somewhere between 10, 13,000 to one getting a hole-in-one. I mean, it, that's quite amazing. I mean, it, there's different levels of golf. When you watch a, a lot of professional events will have a hole-in-one. The, the likes of Augusta has one or two pin positions set out to do that. I've been playing golf for 45 years without success, a few near misses. The, the story came up with Richard last week because I, I hit a lovely shot on the 13th last week, 174-yard par three, which ran over the hole. But I told Richard that I was actually hoping it wasn't going to go in because I was actually playing three off the tee at that point. And I just, I just don't think my one moment of glory of a hole-in-one should ever be when I'm actually playing three off the tee, which, of course, is not a hole-in-one, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it would basically feel a little bit like it. I don't know what this says about me, Alan, and my opinion and my fellow bullpen bros, but when you started saying that there was no chance that you would, and you said catch the ball, I thought you were going to say there was no chance you would give it away to a kid <laughs> if you caught a ball. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure what that, that says about our respective... Yeah. Yeah, that I, I was probably trying to impress people. <laughs> you, you know the truth of what happened, Richard. Exactly. Well, exactly. We're, we're Scottish after all. We don't like giving things away, Alan. So we catch a ball, I reckon that's destined for us. And I think Yorkshire Dave is both an honorary Scotsman and a very, very real Yorkshireman. I don't <laughs> believe Yorkshire folk are known for giving away too much either, Dave. No, actually, the, the only thing that I've done, and it was quite recently, actually, was in the South Stand at the Leeds Rhinos. And I actually, the guy, uh, Leeds got a penalty. And, you know, in rugby, they generally kick into touch and then, you know, 20 yards up the field sort of thing and then take a tap penalty on the go. And I, I thought to myself, you know, just... Being a rugby fan, I thought, this is going to come in our general direction because they kick it into the stand. And sure enough, it, it did. And I actually uh, made a clean catch. But unfortunately, it got a little round of applause from the, from the, the fans around us. Uh, but you're not, you have to throw the ball back. You can't, you can't keep a rugby ball. So I uh, didn't have that uh, dilemma. A rugby ball's a bit harder to sneak out than a baseball as well. Yeah, it'd be a bit more conspicuous, I reckon, if you try to stick it under your jumper or your jacket. <laughs> what do you reckon, Dave Jr.? You'd happily catch it and give it to the nearest kid, wouldn't you? <sighs> I've got to be honest. I, I've No, no. I, I've thought about this quite a lot. and um, It might be different if you get along to hundreds of baseball games in your life but I did think if I found myself at a White Sox match in the coming years I may only get to I may never get to another baseball game but I may only get to a handful of White Sox games what if a ball came into the crowd and I've spent thousands of pounds to travel Hi, I'm Alan and I put the Highland in the Highland bullpen 
I'm originally from Dingwall, where I was brought up watching Highland League football, supporting my local team, Ross County, who are now, of course, in the Scottish Premiership, along with my big team, Rangers. I love watching sport, and I love playing a bit of sport. I play golf and I cycle. I'll travel to watch sport when I can. I've got into American sport in the last few years, and I'm all in for Detroit. So it's lions and tigers and wings, with a bit of pistons as well. And I think, Dave Jr., you've got a candidate, an outstanding candidate for the villain of the week. Yeah, I think that there was a, a series earlier on in the week at the Dodgers versus the Padres. You had two really, two power-packed teams, two, uh, two teams that really expect to see themselves um, lifting the World Series trophy, never mind kind of getting out of their division, but um, you had a, a great, you're two highly sought after guys if you're looking at a fantasy draft type scenario. Trevor Bauer, the pitcher for the Dodgers, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who, great upcoming, I see upcoming, but I think he's he's performed at a really high degree now for, for a little while. So I think, I don't think Trevor Bauer, <laughs> he doesn't have to look very far to see people that aren't too fond of him. Um, I'm not too caught up in his career, but I think he's done a few He's had a few incidents where he hasn't came off too well, but he's quite a persona on the mound. If we're talking about playing baseball, he's quite a persona on on the mound, and he's got a bit of a walk. Apparently, when he when he strikes people out, he does the whole the whole strut, the kind of Conor McGregor strut. Um, and I think he's a confident guy, clearly. So he's it might add to the the intimidation factor. Um, but Tatis Junior struck two home runs against them the other night and the first home run after he'd done it he turned round to his own dugout covered one eye and winked and it was a reference to how Trevor Bauer boasted in spring training he could pitch crossing home plate Tatis Jr stopped for a second and done Bauer's strut so again both home runs were off of Trevor Bauer so afterwards Quite magnanimous, Trevor Bauer was asked about it and he said, do you know what, You know, I, I don't think he used these words exactly, but you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And he said he's, he's all for that type of interaction. However, later that night or, or the next day, a couple of eagle-eyed, I'm not sure if it's viewers or fans, had a wee look at having a sideward glance catcher makes to Trevor Bauer. This certainly... Caught controversy, would that be right? Fernando Tatis Jr. perhaps mm-hmm. does it in a different way. He's just a new kid on the block, you know, and uh, he's getting away with it. But we'll see if there's any comeback on this. I'm not sure how that would be in the 21st century uh, baseball world. What do you reckon, Dave Jr.? Do you reckon Bauer might insist that Tatis keeps that hand over his eye next time he's batting to stop him having a glance down at the catcher? Yeah, there was two things just to pick up um, and add on to to what Dave said there. So, firstly, I'll come back to to Bauer in a second, but uh, the other night I caught a game. I can't remember who was playing, but the catcher almost had where, where his fingernails would be. It was almost like nail varnish, but kind of neon and it was you know when he's making the symbols it was perhaps an evening game so it was <laughs> easier for the the pitcher to catch the motion of the fingers so again that was quite that was quite interesting but the the second point about Bauer and, and Tatis 
Again, they handled it quite well on social media. Trevor Bauer, he didn't come out all guns blazing, but he did sort of patronise a little bit and say, you know, Fernando, <laughs> if you want to know what I'm throwing, just come up and ask Daddy nicely. He'll tell you. You know, just again, putting that across. But then Tatis Jr. responded by posting a picture of him holding his son. But instead of his son's face, it was Trevor Bauer's face. Alan, to finish us off on this point, I don't know if you agree with me, Alan. I prefer the old-fashioned approach where men, baseball players, sorted it out by getting all off the benches and fighting each other rather than sending catty photoshopped images over social media. Yes. Yeah, if we had uh, a couple of our football players in Scotland sending each other sarcastic catty messages on Twitter, uh, I don't think it would be very, we'd be very impressed by it. We'd, we'd pile in in support of our own team's player uh, and get right behind him, but we really don't expect that that type of stuff. That's Is that not why bench is clear? Because let's get it all done and dusted now. I did read this about this and actually said, because the story I was saying, well, it's up to the catcher to work to keep it hidden. Although I suppose the the batter could completely turn around and look and sort of see what's happening, and then you would never get the game going. But I did read that long time ago, like a hundred years ago or whatever, the batter would actually ask for a certain type of pitch, or he would ask for them to pitch it high or low towards him. So obviously, as with all things, the game changes through time. Yeah, yes, yeah, interesting stuff. That that's how. These guys are probably paid by having Twitter followers. Somebody will be paying them for the number of Twitter followers they have. So that's a better place for them to have a fight than to have a fight on the pitch, the field. Yep, and finally on that subject, having thought about that for all of 60 seconds, I've suddenly realised, no, actually, if you disagree with anything the bullpen bros say, please just send us catty messages on social media rather than threaten us with an all-out brawl. We'd appreciate that. Yes, we wouldn't. We, that wouldn't work well for us. On the subject of rules we mentioned earlier on, Yorkshire Dave, he may not have known the rule, but with typical good sound judgment, he guessed correctly that the ball would be dead in the fan interference situation, I believe. Yorkshire Dave being able to check that out, so you were you were indeed right that that is what would happen. And and the subject of rules are uh, sometimes obscure and sometimes not. We actually get contacted this week by a listener who'd spotted the fact that there was in a in a match over the past week a batter was hit by a pitch, and our listener was confused as to why this wouldn't be an automatic walk to first base. Now I'll be honest, I'm equally quite confused about that, but I think Alan may be able to shed some light on this. Yeah, I was surprised. And uh, surprisingly, this was a Tigers player that was hit by pitch. I'll I'll throw in my Scottish referees bit here and say that the umpire didn't give him a walk. Uh, It caused a little bit of consternation in the commentator's booth. AJ Hinch was out to discuss it with the umpire. But the bottom line was everybody seemed to agree with the umpire's decision as to why being hit by a pitch was not an automatic walk. And the reason for that was that the player had swung at the ball. Now, obviously, we've not watched enough baseball to have seen that, but for the three, four years that I've watched the game reasonably seriously, I've seen plenty of players hit by pitch and walking, and that would have been the first time I've seen them not walk because he was swinging. Well, there you go. That's certainly been a new one 
for me this week as well, Alan, and thanks for that. And that's kind of inspired us to to, to introduce a new section uh, we're going to call Triple A, which is Ask About Anything. So if you've got any questions about any rules of baseball, any legendary hitters, any pitching miracles you want to find out about the Miracle Mets, you want to know about them, you want to know about how the Red Sox broke that terrible curse after all those years, get in touch, Triple A, ask about anything, and we will, between us, come up with the right answer for you. Dave Jr. Actually, something occurred this week, and it was uh, something new to me that I hadn't seen before. Um, and it, it felt as if the commentators and the umpires were a little bit stumped as well. So I'm not sure if, if any of you guys have, have seen this before, but uh, it was during a White Sox game and one of the opposition batted the ball twice during the same motion. So it, it felt, it was really quite interesting to watch. Apparently there's different outcomes, depending on that. If, if your bat breaks okay. during uh, hitting the ball twice, it can be a foul. But if you hit it twice during the same motion and your bat doesn't break, the batter should be out. So there, there was all different types of connotations. Yorkshire Dave, I'm just thinking about one of your other great sporting loves, cricket. Are you allowed to in cricket if you hit the ball, but it's going to go backwards onto your stumps, which would mean you would be out? Are you then allowed to knock it away? How does that kind of second hit rule work in cricket? You know, if you, if you play a defensive shot and the ball is about to uh, drop onto your stumps, I don't think you can knock it away with, uh, with, with your bat. So I think to be out on the second hit, it would need to be a, set, a deliberate strike. And I, I think sometimes, you know, if they play a defensive shot and the ball stops dead right in front of the, their legs, I think you might, you might see them ask... The wicketkeeper, or if they can knock it away, you know, if they did hit it away, it could be appealed, especially if you were playing Australia or somebody like that, or Yorkshire. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. Alan, in the world of golf, does that ever happen? Yeah, yeah, just I was googling that as well because it gets a bit confusing. So, there was a major revamp in golf rules, was it two or three years ago now? Because that actually is a little bit of a contentious area because I don't think in the speed... I love how all these sports have similarities and there's questions that come out of them. When you think about baseball and cricket, you're effectively trying to generally use power. on pretty, well, Okay, you're placing the ball, but you're using power to place that ball. So the most likely thing in golf is if you're playing a short chip shot, perhaps in the bunker. So you can imagine the the speed of the ball and the direction it moves in out of a bunker is quite different if you're hitting a 300-yard drive off the tee. So it used to be that if you had a double hit, it was effectively you were playing two shots because you've hit the ball twice. And they've changed the rule now that a double hit, you're not penalised, you've only really hit the ball once. I think the original rule was probably set on the basis, and that's what I was trying to waffle on about the start, in that type of shot in golf, you are potentially deliberately hitting the ball twice. But in fairness, the people who do it are 20 handicapper golfers who are not good enough to hit it twice. And it's not really designed for Phil Mickelson, whoever the greatest short game player around, uh, who would be capable of, of doing that because we would know you did it deliberately, Phil. 
but you wouldn't need to. So, oh, Phil, Phil's a good sort. I'm sure he wouldn't yes. indulge in that kind of skullduggery anyway. Yorkshire Dave, were you going to come in there? Yeah, I think what I said about the cricket hitting the ball twice, I think the batter may actually be able to to stop the ball from going back onto his stomach and hit it that second time. I think the, the, the rule might be a bit more complex than I said. I'm not sure he's allowed to knock it away to prevent a catch, but yeah, I think if he hits the ball and it's rolling back to the stumps, he might be able to knock it away with his bat, maybe not with his hand or his foot. But yeah, there's definitely similarities in, in the games. And you can say so you can you can see why that is, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, well, we mentioned earlier on how this has been a record-breaking run for the Highland bullpen. April has seen a record number of downloads and listens, smashing our previous best total, and that's all down to you, the listeners. And that's why we want to ask you to get involved in a new Grand Slam feature, which is where the bullpen bros will discuss a topic in-depth and go into a little bit more detail than you're used to in our normal episodes. And... What we're thinking of is, in the world of Scottish football, which is dear to all our hearts here, there's been a major power shift within the city of Glasgow, which we call, which uh, at least, well, certainly home to myself and a couple of other bros as well. The the Celtic team that had won the previous nine championships was dethroned by Rangers, their historic and bitter rivals, ending Celtic's tilt at a record-breaking ten in a row league titles. Now over in America, in the in the city of New York, the New York Mets now have the richest owner in baseball and are set themselves a really ambitious target. You can tell this is a team that means business, signing Francisco Lindor to a $300 million plus long-term contract. The Yankees, as Yorkshire Dave may well be delighting in, are having their struggles at the moment. The Yankees don't look like the team they've been in years gone past. And are the Yankees on the wane and are the Mets on the rise? That's a question that we'll be addressing in a future Highland Bullpen Grand Slam special. So please get in touch via social media to let us know if we're barking up the wrong tree. Are the Yankees always going to be the, the top team in the Big Apple? Or is this really the time for the Mets? Are they going to put together a team to rival those miracle Mets? Alan, how can our listeners get in touch via social media? Yeah, tw- Twitter and Facebook would be the obvious places where you can interact and comment on there. They've, they've both got messaging facilities. Uh, we tend to use Twitter a bit more. You can get a little bit of banter going on Twitter. So if you're on there, drop the Highland Bullpen, at H Bullpen, a message. Uh, or copy us into a thought. We'll we'll put this out on Twitter as well, and you can put your thoughts underneath that as well, and, and we'll discuss them. And I suppose lastly on that, thanks to our host, Richard, for actually the way he kicked that off, because if he didn't kick it off like that, I was going to bring up the power shift in Scottish football anyway. So well done. Uh, I thought I would, I would take, take one for the team, take one for the bullpen bros there. Now then... You'll hear me referred to affectionately, no doubt, as Yorkshire Dave, and as such I am honoured to be part of the Highland Bullpen. I qualify by virtue of 37 years residency in Scotland, split between those two fine cities of Edinburgh and Glasgow. I grew up in Leeds, so predictably my allegiances are Leeds United, Leeds Rhinos and Yorkshire County Cricket Club. (laughs) 
My Scottish team of choice is Hibernian FC, and in baseball, it's the Boston Red Sox, who I first saw in 1993 at Fenway, and again at MLB London twice in 2019 with the rest of the Highland bullpen. Still haven't actually seen them win a game. Some say I should go more often. I'll see they. Uh, and Alan, I think finally on a social media note, and we we welcome all followers and we really enjoy that engagement there, that we're actually looking to, to move the quiz, which is always a popular piece, into into the world of Twitter and make it a nice little visual piece as well, Alan. Yeah, and this is a big thanks to Yorkshire Dave. Uh, we, we love our quizzes. Um, we, we When we travel, we quiz, and Dave is the quiz master and keeps us right on there, but we think for Twitter, Dave's come up with a fantastic wee format where we're going to have a, a visual, a picture, uh, and that picture will reference a saying or a phrase in baseball. Uh, so we're going to post the picture on Twitter, uh, and we're going to give you a chance then just to sort of comment underneath and tell us what the phrase is, and of course you can explain what the phrase is as well. But we'll, we'll look to do one or two of those a week, and hopefully that'll provide a little bit of entertainment for everyone. That sounds good to me. Thanks. And thanks, Yorkshire Dave, for that. It's a great concept, and I'm sure our listeners will, will enjoy that as well. Actually, I've got a quiz question, if, if you guys don't mind. Sure. Who's currently, who's currently leading the Inter Bullpen Bros Fantasy Baseball League at the moment? <laughs> Go on, the Mariners. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, oh, <laughs> you you may have guessed, listeners, that the, the sinking mariners are defying their name and defying history by actually rising at a rate of knots. And are currently, it's a long way to go. It's a, a long season. It's not like last season's shortened version. So I'm not getting cocky yet. But uh, I don't know whether one of you guys wants to, to fill us in on the latest in the fantasy. But maybe, Dave Jr., have you been able to keep track of how our, our own inter-bullpen contest is going and how the Highland bullpen team has been going overall? Richard, you're on for... It's four weeks in a row. We'll, we'll let you get to nine in a row, but you're not getting to ten. Ah, uh, well, that sounds right. I think ten's cussed, obviously, Alan, there. So, Yorkshire Dave, how are we doing in our battle against our fellow podcasters? Well, I'm really pleased with um, how things have gone. You're matched up against another team in our division, the UK Podcasters. That's 16 teams, I think. And um, after three weeks, we're currently lying third. We have 16, which, uh, you know, I'm absolutely delighted with. You know, it's really good fun. Um, it makes you, there's 10 different scoring categories, uh, five for batting, five for pitching. So it does make you look very closely, <laughs> more closely than you than you, you might normally do at um, yeah, whips and ERAs and stuff like that. And who's good at stealing Stealing bases. Uh, did I see that your man uh, two way show? Hey, did he even steal a base as well? well I think we we're going to mention him later on. But the guy who can pitch and uh, hit home runs, I'm pretty sure he stole a base he's as well. Yes. He's in danger of becoming three or four way show. He if he keeps us up, <laughs> what can the man not do? So yeah, really pleased, and it's it's great fun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to get to get into that, and that's probably down to Alan and interacting with uh, the dugout 
classics. So I make from dugout classics and there. Is it uh, ball caps and bagpipes? Yes. Over there? So really cool. So just a shout out to, I'll try to say this graciously, to the podcast we beat last week, Ducks Across the Pond. They do a great podcast. Talk, they all, the boys all play baseball in the UK. Uh, so they do a lot of podcasting on, on playing baseball. And I listened to one of their recent episodes last week, trying to get some insights as we played them during the week. So they did a fantastic interview with a great Britain under-15 coach, a chap by the name of Jonathan Craman. Very articulate man, uh, spoke very well. Although we're here to talk about professional baseball and the MLB, uh, for me it was great listening to the GB scene and listening to knowledgeable people who are enthusiastic about the game. So well done and good luck to Ducks Across the Pond with their podcast. Absolutely no. I think we'd all echo that, Alan. And although we've we're doing well, Alan, I believe one of our fellow uh, podcast teams that we did a special joint episode with previously are very much setting the pace. There's only one leader in this fantasy league just now, and it's been the same every week, which is our friends Birds with Balls, who uh, seem to be knocking everyone else out of the park. Uh, I think they started off with a fairly convincing win and have carried on with another couple of wins since then as well. So I haven't checked when we play them, but um, no, no doubt they'll run out of steam at some point, and surely the, any team with five Tigers <laughs> players in it... Uh, <laughs> Has got no chance. <laughs> we will see, Alan. I think that might be a clip that gets played back at a future date, potentially, <laughs> given what kind of hot streak they're on at the moment. But they're doing they're doing great in that league, and they'll certainly be very tough opponents uh, for whoever comes up against them, and presumably us at some point in the in the future as well. So that will be a, a that will test our metal. In no uncertain terms as well. So talking about testing our metal, our respective teams are all facing big weeks in MLB coming up. I know that for my Mariners, it's the AL West contest against the Angels. Well, I think be very telling. We're currently in the middle of a series, as we record, with the Astros. We started fairly slowly in that series, but we'll see where that goes. But the Angels are obviously one of our main rivals in the AL West, and actually emerging from that series with Worcester split, and hopefully take that series would really be a a real momentum builder as well, and to maintain the momentum because it's already there. But for the Mariners, that's the key contests I'm looking at uh, for the week ahead, and and Alan. For the Tigers, I know it's been a fairly tough start to the season. You kind of uh, the numbers are starting to look a little bit more more worrying at the yeah. moment. But what 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 have your boys got lined up for this week? Well, well, it's an exciting week for for us because we're entering the Highland Bullpen uh, American League Division this week. Uh, I know we're we're undefeated in that as well. Don't know that that's going to survive because we've got a series with the White Sox. I think we've won one of our last eleven games. Not expecting too much. Uh, the third game against the White Sox, uh, our boy, uh, I think Boydy, Matthew Boyd is up pitching uh, against Dylan Cease. So that's got a wee bit of hope for that game. Uh, I know tonight's game is not at a UK-friendly time. It's ten past one in the morning. Uh, and I'm tomorrow I'm taking advantage of being allowed to travel around Scotland and we're heading up to the, the Fife Coast uh, to play some golf which will be enjoyable, but I will be doing that buoyed, I hope, by a good performance by the Tigers. But in reality, I'm already scrambling around thinking what's going to be my highlight of the week for this week coming up. 
it's fair enough then. Well, the White Sox, Dave Jr., obviously Alan's referenced some of the stuff you've got coming up this week ahead. What what are you looking forward to for the coming week for the Sox? It is hard because I think if you want to go on and win your division, you need to be beating teams that you should be beating. So as much as, uh, you know, I think we've all got a soft spot for each other's teams, but definitely got a soft spot for the Tigers. It's just that I don't really want to have a soft spot for them this week. I'd like uh, we've we'll, we'll been on a good a good run recently. We've just swept Texas Rangers. If the game's played on paper, we should come out of the the Tigers series with three wins, which would really boost things in in the division. You know, we're in a really good run, really good place just now. Um, got a lot of injuries, but we're we're coping pretty admirably with those. But I'd really like to see us coming out with those those couple of wins. In Yorkshire, Dave, is this a chance for your Boston Red Sox to pad out the wins column against an out-of-form Texas Rangers? Well, this is the this is the beauty of baseball. Isn't it? it's, it's hard to predict, and uh, they are capable. I think they've got some decent starting pitching. So, if it does uh, end up being a you know a close game, then uh, yeah, it's, it, like, you couldn't you couldn't say yeah we're going to go there and sweep them for zero. It depends what. Happens with the Mets. They had a rest day yesterday. They're on the road again after 10 days at Fenway. And they play uh, the Mets tonight and tomorrow. It's a two-game series. And tomorrow they're up against uh, DeGrom, who's probably the best pitcher around at the moment. So you'd have to say, you know, I don't think, with the best player in the world, I don't think that uh, Evaldi or Erod are pitching either of those games. So... Um, I think if we get out of New York with a 1-1 split, go to Texas and come away with a win, 3-1, I'd be happy with that. I think that would be a really uh, good road trip. That makes tons of sense. So uh, uh, this week coming then, we've got three of our four Highland bullpen teams facing each other. So it should be a great episode next week where we look back and who are the winners and who are the losers among the Highland bullpen. Hello Highland Bullpen listeners, I'm Richard, known as Rico to my fellow bullpen bros. When it comes to baseball and soccer, my heart lies in the West Coast. Over in the States, the Seattle Mariners are my team. And back home in Glasgow, Scotland, my heart lies in the green half of the city with Celtic. I love other sports, primarily boxing and MMA. 